Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is Tim Foss. And uh, let's not beat around the bush we are here to talk about one thing and uh, and pretty much one thing only. Uh, all signs indicate that the Sounders are very close to signing Freddie Montero. Heck, by the time you're listening to this, it might be official. Uh, our friend Nico Moreno actually is reporting that the paperwork is already signed. I have not confirmed that, but I was able to confirm that this was very real interest. And, uh, and I don't know, I... I, I I think most people are pretty excited about this, but there are some reasonable uh, concerns. Where do you fall, Tim? I, you know, I, I guess I'm the type of fan who is always optimistic and also often surprised. Um, and I, you know, sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad, but I, that's like really? the Sounder at Heart uh, ethos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm really excited about this. It seems like, you know, this is a move that Freddie really wanted. He very clearly continues to have roots here. His wife's family has roots here. Um, it seems like he probably isn't going to hit the cap too hard. Yeah. Um, it does give me a little bit of vindication in that, you know, I was banging the three, five, two drum and this seems yeah, like that's, I think we're further, see further confirmation. Yeah. That we're for sure going to see a bit of a two forward setup. Cause that just seems like a thing that makes sense. Um, yeah. I think I'm, I'm excited about it. It might, you know, might, he might not blow up and, put up double digits goals and assists, but I think having him around is going to be fun at the very minimum. Yeah. You know, I, I think where I come down on this is, is I'm thrilled from a couple points of view for one. I, I think like anyone who was rooting for the Sounders back in the early days of MLS, I think the vast majority of us have a very soft place in our heart for Freddie, not just because he was so productive, but he was such a fun player. He seemed to exude such a positive. There was a positivity that came off of him when you would watch him play. He he just played with joy. He was someone who was capable of, of kind of scoring scrappy goals, but also very able to score spectacular goals. And in that way, he kind of reminds me of Raul Rui Diaz in that, you know, he wasn't really worried about the way the goal looked, but he was he was more than happy to to do something spectacular. I mean, he was, you know, this is a guy who uh, made a habit of, yeah, basically made a habit of like shooting from 30 yards and he wasn't, and it wasn't beyond him to score from there. 
Um, and he, and he has all sorts of, you know, his skill, I think was sometimes not entirely appreciated, but he was a very skilled player. I mean, I think you can even look now and, and he, I think he's right up there in terms of like just his raw ability was as high as really anyone. Uh, and I would put Clint and Oba and Nico and Rui Diaz all in that same, like I think he's in that same echelon and sure he's 33 years old. He's not the same player he was when he was 25 years old, but man, he's still, I think people are underestimating how good he is because they, they saw some drop off when he was in Vancouver, but I also think he was misused in Vancouver. They were trying to use him as a, as a, as like a classic nine. And I think he's shown the ability to do that to some degree, but that's not his, that's not his best spot. And he really is a player who thrives in a two forward setup. Uh, You know, we don't see a lot of, two forward sets in MLS these days, but if the Sounders go to a three, five, two, I think he's a wonderful pairing with Will Bruin. I think he's a wonderful pairing with Raul Ruiz Diaz. I think the only question is how he and Nico Ladero are able to kind of share the ball a little, like if there's one thing that jumps out at, you know, when you look at, at Freddie's numbers, it's he gets a lot of touches for a forward, like almost off the charts uh, in terms of his touch percentage um, and it's going to be interesting to see he, how he and Nico work together in that way. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I think one major positive for Freddie, who, yeah, 33 is certainly getting up there for a professional soccer player in many instances, but it's not like his game was ever predicated on being the fastest or the strongest player oh, on the field. Definitely was um, not. So yeah, maybe like some aspects of his game have dropped off a little bit as he's aged, but he's still an incredibly skilled and talented player. And I think that, you know, the time period that he was here at the start of the Sounders MLS era, yes, the you know, the league has grown so much in the 12 seasons since he first came. And sometimes that may have highlighted how skilled he was, that the players around him just weren't as skilled, but it also yeah, that's clearly lim- would limit the impact that he might have not having as skilled of players to play off of, which I do think was part of the drop-off in Vancouver that not only was he being misused, but he was playing on a bad team. Right. Um, and in Seattle, he's not going to be leaned on nearly as heavily, and he's going to have a lot of really good players around him. Um, I think, you know, a shift to a three-five-two or really anything that they do this season that doesn't involve bringing in at least one starting quality winger who's hopefully got some pace i think ideally in that scenario is going to involve a significant shift in the speed if not necessarily the tempo if that makes sense of how the sounders play that it's going to necessitate a more intricate sort of technical game and i think adding freddie montero to the mix there helps to potentially unlock a lot of what the players around him can do sort of in the final third, once they move the ball into that area. Um, I think in ways that really will, I think, magnify what 
Nico Lodero can do and Joao Paulo can do and finding like Raul Rui Diaz or Will Bruin in pockets of space. Um, I think the idea of that is really exciting to me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think one thing that's, that's worth pointing out is, you know, Freddie is 33 years old, like we said, but he hasn't accumulated the mileage that a lot of 33 year olds have had. And, and that's in part because he's not a national team player. He hasn't been in, in the national team picture uh, really for his whole career, essentially, you know, he's Colombian and he got some call-ups early in his career, but really since, since early on, he's, he's not been involved in the national team. And, you know, like he's had a few years in MLS where he didn't log, you know, 2,500, 3,000 minutes. I, I think it's been a few years actually since he's, he's had a, a 2,500 minute season. And so, you know, he's sitting at around 31,000 competitive minutes in his career. Uh, he's 33 years old. And just as an, ex- as an example, you know, uh, Nico Ladero is at 30 is it, or is at, um, at 29,000 minutes in his, or 20, I'm sorry, 27,000 minutes in his career. And he's, uh, you know, he's three years younger than him. And so I think that that just kind of, or he's two years younger, but I, I think it sort of illustrates the, you know, he does, he has a comparable number of minutes on his legs as Nico Ladero, who's a, a couple years younger than him. And I, I think that kind of su- suggests that he's got a lot more in him. He doesn't cover as much ground either. He's not asked to cover as much ground. You know, that was kind of always a knock, I think, against Freddie was this kind of that he's a little lazy and that, you know, he doesn't track back to the to the top of the penalty area. That's true. But I, I do think that he sometimes gets a bad rap for not covering ground because that's not his job. Like he, his job is to stay high and he is an active defender. You know, you look at his, you know, you, you, I, I would really urge people to go look at his uh, to it. There's a great website, fbref.com. It's, it pulls in a lot of kind of like analytical stat, like underlying numbers. And, and if you look at that, you know, he, his volume of defensive actions is really quite good for a forward. And that's at, you know, that was at 32, 33 years old. Uh, he's also a borderline, I would say he's an elite passing forward uh, by those metrics. You know, you were, I saw you dug into some of that too. Um, you know, you, you get away from the, I know people get focused on goals and assists. And I should say that even since he came back to MLS in 2017, in his three seasons, you know, he was averaging something like 0.42 goals and or non-penalty goals and assists per 90 which is a pretty good number by itself but when you dig into his xg and all those other numbers you, you found some stuff that was even more encouraging i think yeah i mean he so i was looking at numbers from um american soccer analysis uh and they they do a bunch of really interesting uh sort of advanced analytic stuff over there uh and just looking at you know four players who were listed as strikers who played a minimum of 500 minutes um across all competitions last year which does incorporate some weirder stuff for guys who played it like mls's back which was a weird tournament which freddie opted out of Um, but he was the 10th best forward in the league in terms of expected goals per 96 minutes. Um, 
and was seventh in key passes for that same group and the second in expected assists, which if he was doing that with Seattle, probably like results in more actual assists because he's right. just playing with more guys who can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, he also was in the top 10 for a stat that ASA produces, which is uh, goals added, which sort of tracks all of the actions that eventually lead to a goal and was in the top 10 for forwards in total in that stat, as well as passing in, ter- in contribution to that stat and uh, dribbles, which are... I mean, if the Sounders are going to get technical in 2020, having a player who can break down teams in the final third on the dribble or with a pass is going to be huge. Um, And I think sort of circling back to the number of minutes on his legs, I think noticeably he hasn't racked up a ton of minutes over the last two years, but he still started the majority of his appearances. Uh, So I think he's clearly able to carry whatever load is going to be put on him, but isn't, you know, if he's asked to do less and is more of a super sub for the Sounders, I think his potential contributions could really increase. And in the like two year break that he took between first joining Vancouver and then the last two seasons when he was with sporting CP, he really didn't play that much. So he is coming in pretty fresh yeah, um, I think it's not unreasonable to think that they could get a couple more seasons out of him as like a really high quality bench option. Yeah, and I, I think that that's really kind of the key here is that he's not coming in here to be Freddie Montero 2012. He's, you know, and I and I think you could build a team around Freddie Montero in 2012. I think in some ways you probably could get away with Freddie Montero as your as your top goal scorer if you needed to right now but they don't need him to be, they need him to be the third or fourth best scorer on this team. And that to me seems really doable. You know, he, he's, he needs to be a compliment to Raul Ruiz Diaz. He needs to be a compliment to Nico Ladero, you know, to a certain degree, he, he might even be a compliment to a Will Bruin or a Chris, you know, he's going to, I think he'll score more than Christian rolled on, but he doesn't need to carry this big load. Uh, he can be a complimentary piece. He doesn't need to be the sole uh, replacement for Jordan Morris in this case. But I also think what's encouraging about this is that the Sounders are, I think are thinking about this the right way, which is not how do we replace Jordan Morris and how do we stick with the formation that Jordan Morris thrived in? It's what do we do with the personnel that we have available and how do we supplement that best? So if you can bring in Freddie Montero for my suspicion is somewhere between Two hundred and four hundred thousand dollars. Like there's, it's somewhere in that range. I think it's probably closer to you know the high twos or low threes of what he's going to be paying this being paid this year. You know, you look at what that gets you, and I think the Sounders can realistically hope for somewhere between ten and fifteen combined goals and assists in about fifteen hundred minutes. If you if you can get that kind of production for that kind of money, you take it every time. And then you were ensure like the, the knock on effect is if you're going to go with a three, five, two, you need to probably supplement your center back core right now. The Sounders have three reasonably quality starting center backs, 
but maybe that like you've pointed this out maybe that means shifting Nuhu to to be a, a left center back maybe that means dropping Josh Atencio back into center back uh AB Sissoko someone who you can probably talk about is uh, a player from the defiance that they could bring in or they can go out onto the the free agent market and they can bring in someone like a Shane O'Neill someone who is just gonna eat up minutes and not you know fall apart you don't need you don't need to sign another Jamar. You don't need to even sign another Javier Arriaga. You have your two high ceiling center backs. Just bolster that lineup, and it's a lot easier than trying to go out and find a Jordan Morris on the free agent list, uh, or tr- expect Jordan Morris production out of someone like a Marlon Hairston or a Juan Agudelo, guys that recently signed free agent contracts. Uh, I think this is a really smart move, and I think it also allows for a longer runway for guys like an Ethan Dobleri an Alfonso Ocampo Chavez, a, a Shandon Hopiao, uh, you know, Danny Leva, these younger players, it doesn't put so much pressure on them. And if you get production out of them, great. Uh, but I, I like this kind of outside the box thinking, and you, there's nothing that stops you from shifting back to a four, two, three, one, if that's ultimately what you decide is your best option. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the, one of the things that, you know, it's not a regular year it's not a normal off season they haven't been able to scout guys the way that they would like to uh you know the like character aspect of players that they bring in is really important to the club and that requires meeting people face to face and seeing them in person and that's a lot harder right now so if you you know have this sort of plan b of running a three, five, two, or some sort of two forward system that seems to fit the current roster with easier tweaks to make, you know, finding a depth center back, finding, finding Freddie Montero on a like super team friendly deal is much easier than, like you said, going out and finding a Jordan Morris caliber right. winger not that they can't do that, but they can try this for the first few months and see how it goes, see how those younger players develop if they're able to step up and take one of those starting spots. And depending on the answers that they get, now they have, you know, maybe six more months of runway for scouting or recruiting or whatever if they do need to bring somebody in. Because um, They also still haven't, you know, I know they're not going to officially or directly replace Chris Henderson, but that scouting group is still sort of in the process of transitioning to whatever they're going to be now. Um, So this just gives them more time for all of that to get figured out. Yeah. And and I think Freddie is the kind of player who creates a really – manageable bridge to the summer uh I, I don't think there was really a scenario where the sounders were gonna go out and sign you know the next jordan morris this off this last off season regardless uh that they and i and i in some ways i think it was probably fortuitous that they didn't try to do that because if they had operated under the assumption that jordan was gonna fully transfer they would be in a little bit of trouble i think right now because now it, it looks like they may have to prepare on some level for 
Morris to be back in 2022, which is not a bad thing to have to plan for, but it would be a real shame if they invested a lot of money in the assumption that Jordan was gone for good. And not only did they not have the resources that would have come with a full transfer, but now they actually potentially are overstocked at one position now that they can. And I, and so I, I think that, you know, I think Garth sometimes gets gets people frustrated at the deliberate nature of the way he goes about making transfers. But there's a reason that you you don't spend money before you have it. And uh, and this is this is maybe a good reason why, you know, it was a it was a similar situation, oddly, when Jordan got hurt last time where everyone was assuming like the Sounders need to go out and get a winger. And then, oh, look, uh, because Jordan at the time was a number nine. And all of a sudden it looked like, well, no, actually we need to go out and get a number nine to fill that role. And it was, and it ended up being Raul Rui Diaz and Jordan Morris turned into a very good winger and the Sounders got a MLS cup out of it and a second MLS cup appearance. So it was, you know, I, I think sometimes this deliberate nature of, of them going about uh, how they're, they're running this team is smart. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think they're in good shape. I, I like this move. I really do. I, I think that Freddie is going to be a good player for this team. And, and I don't see a real obvious downside, frankly. I mean, the, the downside, I guess, is that you can't sign another 200 or $300,000 player. Like who are those guys? Like who are those players right now? Like, especially ones that are, that have their, that, that don't count as an international player uh, who want to be here. I mean, there's just, you know, I just think I just think this has a lot of upside and the downside is is really limited. Right. I think that list of players that you could possibly get is really, really short. And most of the guys on it aren't as good as Freddie Montero. And none of the guys on it have the familiarity with the region or the club or like any of the things that really matter in terms of how a player integrates uh, that Freddie has. I think also, you know, that they're when Freddie was here, every player has their detractors and the sort of accusations that got pointed at him were that he was lazy or he was moody, but the players around him very clearly seemed to like him. He right. seems like he's a good locker room presence. He does fun goal celebrations. Like, I don't know how you don't like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I honestly, um, like I, I, I get the sentiment that, and I, I do think that most Sounders fans really love seeing guys come back because it says something about their, their bond with the club when you keep bringing guys back. And, and it has been really a feature of this club that I, I want to say like every year, but one since 2011, they've brought back one player uh, from a previous team. And, and this is just continuing in a long line of that. And I, and I, and I think that the number of players who they've done that with, who have come back for a successful stint is, is admittedly kind of small. You know, I think Eric Freeberg probably made, you could argue made a successful return. Um, I'm trying to think who else would maybe fall on that list of, you know, well, the jury's out on Brad Smith. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it depends on how you define a successful stay. Like, yeah, the jury's out on Brad Smith. Roman Torres didn't really contribute. But, but like, they Eric didn't really Freeberg, need him to. 
Right. Eric Freeberg and Lamar Nagel and um, Flacco Fernandez, like two varying degrees contributed. Um, the team has never won an MLS cup in a season when they didn't bring back a former player. There you go. Um, I like that one. And like, I think in particular, Eric Freeberg did what he was asked when he came back. Flacco Fernandez didn't have a huge contribution over that season, but he did score or like, I know he scored at least one goal. He had some involvement that like, if they don't get that out of him, they might not make the playoffs and then they don't win MLS cup in 2016. And he was also, I think like Flacco in particular was a player that they brought back specifically to kind of help Nico uh, adapt to the, to the new team. And, and I think one of the things that one of the common things about these players that they bring back is, you know, Joven Jones is maybe an exception to this. Brad Smith is another potential exception to this, but for the most part, they're bringing guys in to fill very specific kind of like veteran roles in lesser roles than they were here the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Freeberg was another, you know, uh, example of the, of kind of bringing someone in with a little bit higher uh, aspiration and he deli- and I think Eric Freeberg absolutely delivered on what he was brought here to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he helped, he was a key reason why they, they won MLS cup in 2016. Uh, he had a, a winning goal in the 2015 playoffs. Uh, so there, there's like lots of things that you can point to that, that he did. But my point is, is that I think there is a, a school of people who get frustrated by guys being brought back only for like emotional reasons. And I don't think that's the, what goes into the, like, I don't think Garth is bringing guys back just because they're feel good stories. I think he's bringing them back to serve a specific purpose. And I, and I really think that Freddie is being brought back in like the right kind of circumstances. He's not being brought back to be a savior. He's being brought back as a veteran who can contribute some goals and that's fully what I expect him to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the people who might accuse Garth Lagerway of bringing back guys for sentimental reasons are also people who complain when he cuts guys and isn't sentimental about it. Right. Like, I know that is, it is kind of like a, yeah, you can't you be can't both really things. Get both of those things out of the same person. Um, yeah. I, think that it has been borne out over his time here that he on the whole makes good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I am curious to see is, uh, you know, I, I would, I would really like to see the interaction between Brad and Freddie the first time that they uh, get back <laughs> together. If you, if you may remember that Brad had some kind of harsh words for Freddie when he joined the white caps, um, I think it was mostly in jest. I got the impression that they were always friendly. So I don't think there was a lot there, but it would be kind of fun to see them uh, interact on that. And my personal pitch, and I guess we don't know for sure. I've seen people understandably dispute this, but to me, what the Sounders have been putting out is uh, presents as purple for this new kit. Uh, I guess you could see kind of like a midnight deep Navy, almost like kind of like deep blue, uh, but anyway, I am for narrative purposes. I just love the idea of bringing Freddie back, putting him in a purple 12 Jersey and you're bringing in like the 12 he's worn 12 before, but I feel like 12 brings in that Seahawks element. Purple brings in that UW element. Freddie brings in that old Sounders element. It's just such a nice little 
piece. I don't know. I, I don't know when the Sounders are going to actually unveil their New Jersey, but that would be a pretty slick way to do it, wouldn't it? Maybe he could just wear it under a zip-up hoodie and then he could unzip it. Yeah, style. there we go. Reveal. I like that. Freddie's now a Sounders player and this is the New Jersey. Yeah, I'd be into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, you know, it's funny. He actually did before Clint made that move famous. I want to say Freddie did something similar at like the 2011 um, or like the, the post 2010 annual business meeting when they unveiled their first shale kit. And I think he may have done something like that where he unzipped a hoodie and showed off the first shale kit um back before like kit unveils were like a big deal yeah i i feel like i remember that happening but maybe it's just an implanted memory now right exactly uh but i don't know do you have any misgivings about this one am i is there a blind spot that you think i'm missing i i really don't think so like i don't i really can't get over the idea that like if freddie montero sucks now worst case scenario he's third or fourth on the depth chart at forward like yeah doesn't prevent them from making any other moves he's not really like blocking the path to minutes for any younger players like alfonso campo chavez is the only young player listed as a forward on the first team roster currently and you know whether that's even his best position or where he's most likely to get minutes is certainly a thing people can debate but i mean i'll I'll tell you this i don't i don't think the sounders wanted to go into the season relying on alfonso campo chavez for you know three to five goals let alone like five to seven goals which is what i think they're going to be expecting from freddie yeah uh you know, if Ocampo Chavez can get some first team minutes this year, I think we got to probably chalk that up as a win. You know, I, I suppose you can argue he maybe creates a roadblock for an Alec Diaz type who is not even on the first team roster right now, but I think is someone who to me feels like maybe is, is going to get a promotion, but I think he's going to spend most of his time at defiance regardless. And I think that's probably good for him. Um, he's obviously a different kind of forward than, than Freddie too. You know, he's someone more in the, I think, closer to Will Bruin than than Freddie Montero in terms of his style. Um, I don't yeah. know, do you have any thoughts on that one? Just that I think even if Alec Diaz does, you know, get a promotion and wins a first-team contract, it still is probably going to be best for him to spend most of his time with Tacoma. Um, last year was his first year as a sort of locked-in starter on that team um i think it's probably going to be good for him to get another year as sort of the guy for tacoma uh and there's no one in front of him at this point uh justin dylan is now in san antonio i think so i think give alec diaz a regular season because it seems like they're going to do a 32 game season for the usl championship let him play you know 25 plus games with Tacoma as the starting forward and see what he can do. It's probably going to be better for him than sitting on the bench for the Sounders at the age of 19. Uh, Yeah. I really don't see much of a downside for this move. Yeah. And I'll close with this, you know, it was pretty funny. I was 
looking back at some old video and I had this recollection of Freddie visiting the Sounders back in 2014 and, and saying that he wanted to come back here. And sure enough, I found the video. Uh, you know, he was, it was right after I think he had made his move to sporting CP permanent. And he hadn't been, he hadn't played for the Sounders since 2012 at that point. He'd gone out to loan to Millionarios at in Colombia for a little while. And he'd gone on loan to sporting CP for a little while. And at this point, he was coming off a really productive 13 goal season. He actually led sporting CP in scoring his first year there, which I don't know if a lot of people remember that or not, but he was, he was really good for at least he had two or three really good seasons at sporting CP, which was a champions league team at the time. He won the Portuguese cup with them. Uh, that was a good team. Uh, and anyway, he came back to the sounders and he was, you know, feeling good. And they asked him like, if he ever wanted to, be here again and he's like yeah that's one of my dreams to come back and and finish my you know kind of finish my career in seattle and it's just nice to see it work out i know he and adrian had had kept in touch and had stayed good friends um but i also think it it speaks to garth's you know it's funny to me that garth came in here and i think everyone expected him to remake the organization kind of is in his vision and in a lot of ways what he's done is he's leaned into the organizational's history and into the organization's strengths and he's not afraid to bring guys back either as coaches or as players and it's just kind of neat to see i i I, it makes this feel like a club i love this stuff Uh, i realize it's sentimental but i really do think that this is a move that is about making the sounders better and i think it will make the sounders better i mean i think it's okay for from a like coverage and fan perspective there to be some sentiment in it yeah. like they're athletes are people it's cool to see a dude like return to the team you follow or support and have him be super stoked about it right um i like i i don't know self-actualization is a really cool thing and i think that it's fun to see that happen for people i agree i agree um i totally agree and i think that's probably a good place to to end this uh, self-actualization. Good, good, good word to end on. Uh, I'm Jeremiah O'Shan signing off for Tim Foss. Uh, this was the Sounder Heart, eh, Sounder Heart podcast, and I'm just going to give you one more plug. Go check out YachtCon Back to School. We've got a pretty awesome schedule we've put together. Uh, it starts March 15th, but you can find it at eventbrite.com slash YachtCon, I believe. Uh, you, can, you can register for classes there. Uh, we are offering free and paid classes and all the money we raise is going to go to the Seattle Children's Autism Center. That's my pitch. And uh, we'll see you next time.